As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Transfer Briefing from The Athletic. It's Friday, 2nd of February. I'm Abby Patterson, and on today's show... The transfer window softly shuts. This was a pretty much unprecedentedly quiet window. David Ornstein runs through the key deadline day deals. This is a really interesting one. May knows the man as Man United survived late scare from Wolves. The composure that he had and the skill of technique, the confidence to try that goal. Plus a preview for the big weekend fixtures. The bitterest rivalry in Italy resumes. This game is of monumental significance. This is the Daily Transfer Briefing with Abby Patterson. That's right, it's David Ornstein, Laurie Whitwell, Amy Lawrence, James Horncastle, all on the show. We'll talk transfers shortly, but let's round up the football action first. Starting with Wolves versus Man United, and all the talk pre-match was about Marcus Rashford. Well, he was back in the starting eleven and back on the score sheet too after his uh, nights out in Belfast. Rashford! What about it? Wow. Marcus Rashford! What a moment! What a strike! And this Thursday night out, very different for Rashford here. He contributed to what turned out to be an extraordinary 4-3 win over Wolves. United were in charge in the first half and 3-1 up with 15 minutes to go, but Wolves pulled it back to 3-3 in stoppage time, only for Kobe Maino to do this seconds later. But here's Kobe Maino! Kobe Maino, the teenager! Wow! Yes, a sensational winner in the 97th minute and, as a result, stole the headlines from his errant teammate. But let's not get too carried away, though. United have now conceded 52 goals in all competitions this season. And worse still, they've let in two or more goals in five consecutive league games for the first time since November 1977. That's a whole Tom Brady ago. It's in for the touchdown! Our Manchester United correspondent Laurie Whitwell went to Wolves and kept a close eye on Rashford and co. Laurie, it was an exhilarating finale there. Manchester United looked like they were going to continue that season-long narrative of snatching draws and defeats from the claws of victory. Not this time, though. Kobe Maino's been a revelation, hasn't he? Yes, that'd be quite an astonishing finish to the game. I think Eric Ten Hag's face said it all, his eyes wide open a mixture of sort of disbelief and relief and he certainly said that afterwards that he had mixed feelings about the game given how well United played to begin with and how lax they'd been in letting Wolves back into the game at 3-3 in added time you're thinking wow can Wolves go on and win this and then Kobe Maino the coolest man 
in the stadium. I mean, I say he's a man, he's 18 years old. Uh, he's only just <laughs> become an adult, really. But the composure that he had and the skill of the technique, the confidence to try that goal was outstanding. Um, his first Premier League goal, what a time to get it. A winner in the 97th minute. And then to go over to the away fans and kind of celebrate as he scored the goal with a very calm demeanour uh, and, and sort of suggesting that people might want to just chill about it, really. Um, no, I don't think anybody did want to chill because it was a, a crazy moment a standout sign from him that he is the real deal. Of course, Marcus Rashford was the talk of the devils, sorry, town, coming into this game. He scored. Did he play like he had a bit of a point to prove? Yeah, Rashford really did respond in the way that Ten Hag would want after the story last week about his visit to Belfast and I was surprised, I think, you know, on the balance of everything, that he didn't you know, continue with the team that he'd started at Newport, albeit with Onana in. But I think Tanag played it brilliantly because he started Rashford. Rashford played with a purpose. But it was a performance that showed the metal that he's got as a player. It's not been a performance that we've seen too much this season, but it just reminds you what a quality player he can be. And it was his all-round game as well. It was the fact that he was linking up really beautifully with Luke Shaw, who was overlapping um, so smartly. And that union that they've got, that relationship that understanding is really pivotal and I think Rashford suffered from Shaw not being in the team and yeah Rashford can move on from his Belfast night out with a positive step thanks Laurie and you can go and read his piece over on The Athletic and listen to the talk of the devils too for more United based reaction links will be in the show notes Elsewhere at London Stadium, it finished 1-1 between West Ham and Bournemouth with a few boos at full time. Calvin Phillips made his Hammers debut and didn't take long to make his impact on the match. Oh, Solanke's in and scores! Oh, a calamitous error at the back for West Ham United. Yeah, that back pass from Phillips finding Solanke after two minutes and 22 seconds. Hmm. Ghana's short stay at AFCON meant Mohamed Kudos was back for West Ham and causing chaos. He won a penalty, which James Ward-Prowse neatly tucked away. 1-1. To La Liga, where Real Madrid have moved to the top of the table following a 2-0 win over Hatafe, thanks to a brace from Pocello. And finally, in Saudi Arabia, Inter Miami faced Al Nasser. It was meant to be Messi versus Ronaldo, the last dance, a golden ticket event to the past. Well, Ronaldo was injured, Messi didn't start, and he only came on for seven minutes at the end. Oh, and the football? Inter Miami lost 6-0, and I'm Eric Laporte scored from his own half. If you ask me, it was more like the last farce. The January transfer window is come and gone, and sometimes we even forgot it was there. But deadline day did deliver some news, and much like Lewis Hamilton and his future Ferrari, we're going to zoom through the biggest deals of the night, and for the sake of brevity, assume everything is a loan unless I say otherwise. After weeks of Willy won't he, Amanda Breuer did join Fulham from Chelsea. Spurs signed Swede Lucas Bergvall for 10 million euros. He chose the North London club over Barcelona. Everton's Mason Holgate's gone to Sheffield United. In the women's game, you may have missed this one, Asya Oshuala has left Barcelona for Bay FC in the USA, signing a deal till 2026. Forrest eventually found a keeper in the form of Matt Sells. What a name that is, by the way. That's for £6 million. Sticking in Nottingham, Leon signed their defender, Aurel Mangala, for money in a deal that could be worth up to £30 million. But the French club couldn't get a deal for West Ham's Saeed Benrama over the line. And they're kind of annoyed about it. You can read about all of that over on The Athletic. But joining me now is a man who needs no introduction, David Ornstein. David, you've had a busy day. We've run through the deals. But there's one that's really caught my eye and ruffled some French feathers. It's one that didn't go through. What on earth happened with Saeed Benrahma? Yeah, this is a really interesting one because it had been rumbling for quite some days and agreements were reached. On deadline day, he flew over to France 
And it seemed finally that this was actually going to get done. And there was extreme confidence from the Leon end and the conversations that I had that no issues were anticipated. But then we came to the deadline itself and it was a bit quiet. Hadn't heard if it had been done or not. Nobody had suggested it wasn't. And then bang, all of a sudden we had these statements declaring that the deal had not been completed and a very strongly worded statement from Leon placing the blame squarely at the door of West Ham and saying that Leon did everything that was requested of them and that they were in dialogue with West Ham but then West Ham according to Leon didn't fulfill their part of the bargain and they are scathing of West Ham's behavior or their view of West Ham's behavior They've hinted that they will launch a complaint or look into potential action to understand what's gone on here and potentially rectify it. They are not happy at all. West Ham released a statement of their own just simply saying that the deal didn't go through in time. And it brings a very strange end to a situation that never felt quite right for some reason. So this really is an extraordinary state of affairs and you presume... Ben Rama will have to go back to West Ham and continue his career there. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see what all that fallout is. And I think the fact that we've honed in on a a transfer that didn't happen emphasises the fact that, to be frank, this window hasn't really lived up to the expectation. David, you've covered a lot of these. In your opinion, why has it been so quiet? The first reason I would say is because clubs are trying to get their houses in order. And this increasing realisation that January should only really be used for emergencies, opportunities, but not a key focus of your recruitment plan. The second reason is much more pertinent this year in that we're seeing that the profitability and sustainability rules that all clubs need to abide by are being enforced and they have teeth. So many clubs spent many years spending beyond their means without fear that the regulations would be properly enforced. Now, financial fair play is real. And we've seen that because just recently, Nottingham Forest and Everton were charged. Everton were found guilty previously and handed a 10-point deduction. They're appealing against that as we speak. Manchester City, 115 charges for alleged breaches of the rules. That case is yet to be heard. And other clubs are looking at it and saying, we don't want that to be us. Just look at Newcastle. No money spent, no signings in this January window. Same with Arsenal, same with Manchester United. And what you're going to see is towards June the 30th, a lot of clubs are going to part with their players if they're in financial fair play difficulty. Because June the 30th is the cutoff for the accounting period. And that's going to become like a transfer deadline day in its own right. And the final thing I would point out is that the Saudi Pro League was quiet. In the summer, it was really busy. And that generated business in Europe, in the Premier League, especially because they were signing players from these competitions. I think they will again in the summer. And that will help see the flow of money increase. And so this was a pretty much unprecedentedly quiet window from what I can remember. And it shows that things are changing. But come the next window, I think we can expect it to be a lot more lively again. Yeah. And and let's not forget, 
Jordan Henderson got his wish to leave Saudi. Jaden Sancho returned to Dortmund. Timo went to Tottenham. And Calvin Phillips finally moved out of Man City. In the Premier League, there are matches from Saturday, 12.30pm, that's Everton versus Wolves on TNT, till Monday, 8pm, Manchester City against Brentford, Sky Sports. Can the Bees do the double on the champions again? Probably not. Saturday evening's entertainment sees Sheffield United host Aston Villa. That's on Sky Sports and Peacock. Just make sure you don't eat anything in front of Blades boss Chris Wilder, though. Been to see the referee. I've told him that um, one of his assistant assistants was eating a sandwich at the time. I thought that was a complete lack of respect. Uh, hopefully he enjoyed his sandwich while he was talking to a Premier League manager. Had to squeeze that one in, come on. But the biggest match of the weekend takes place at the Emirates Stadium as Arsenal host league leaders Liverpool. The Gunners sit in third place, having been top of the table for parts of the season, but a terrible end to 2023 has seen their title challenge stutter somewhat. Amy Lawrence is our Arsenal writer and previews the game with me. Amy, just how important is this match for Arsenal? This game is of monumental significance to Arsenal. Because it feels in a way like the very last throw of the dice for if they want to be involved in the very serious conversations around this season at the top of the table. It felt like just before the winter break, Arsenal had a period which put the kibosh on their title ambitions. It was hard to see that they could sustain what was necessary to keep pace with Liverpool purring into gear and knowing what Man City are very capable of doing and who was coming back. So I think recovering from that sort of downer was important. But since then, they've got results, but without necessarily looking like a wounded animal that's roaring back into life. So there's still a bit more that needs to come from them, I think. And what better than, you know, a team who's flying at the the moment, who's got a lot of emotional energy behind it. Liverpool are, are seldom an easy nut to crack for Arsenal in the Jurgen Klopp era. So I think if they could get somehow a win it changes their mindset it allows Arsenal to think they can really push on again if that doesn't happen it's probably going to be hard to see that they can keep track and and improve enough to uh, lay, lay proper gloves on Liverpool and Man City in the months ahead. Thanks, Amy. It's Sky Sports you'll want for that one, Sunday, 4.30pm, Peacock if you're stateside. Listen to the Athletic Football Podcast Weekend Preview for your full guide to the games this weekend. It's out later today. In Europe, there's one match which is bigger than any other, and I'll leave our Italian football writer, James Horncastle, to tell you all about it. The bitterest rivalry in Italy resumes on Sunday. It's the Derby d'Italia between Inter and Juventus. There's just one point between these two sides at the top of the table. It's a title race for the ages. Inter have got a game in hand. Were they to win this, they'd obviously go four points clear. Plus, it would feel like five because they would have the advantage on head-to-head having drawn into Turin in the reverse fixture. Things have really started to uh, spark, catch fire, if you like, over the last uh, six weeks. Um, We've had Max Allegri... Uh, for example, saying that this is like cops and robbers. The cops are chasing the robbers, the robbers being Inter. Inter have said that they feel like a hare trying to dodge bullets shot by hunters. We've seen in the transfer market as well, Inter wanted to sign uh, a centre-back from Lille, Thiago Jalot, uh, on a free transfer at the end of the season. Juventus have swooped and signed him instead. Yeah, this should be a, a very evenly matched game. I think Inter are the team that feel like Juventus did in 2015-2017. They're the most authoritative Italian side in that time. They've got two strikers, both of these teams, Dusan Vlajevic and Lautaro Martinez, in great form uh, as well. 
so it should be an epic game. Thanks, James. That match kicks off at 7.45pm on Sunday. You'll need TNT in the UK and Paramount Plus in the States to watch it. In Spain, as mentioned, there's the Madrid derby. Real host Atletico first versus third and Los Blancos will be looking to widen the already 10-point gap between them and their city rivals. That's at 8pm on Viaplay in the UK or ESPN Plus in the US. There are, of course, lots more intriguing fixtures across the continent. The Totally Football Show Euro Edition will be the place to go for a review of it all. The Totally Football Show and Athletic Football Podcast have got you covered for Monday. Finally, and internationally, tonight it's the return of AFCON and the Asian Cup. Both are at the quarterfinal stages. Starting in the Ivory Coast, it's Nigeria versus Angola, Democratic Republic of Congo versus Guinea. Over in Qatar, your options are Tajikistan versus Jordan and Australia against South Korea. And that's a rerun of the 2015 final when Ange Postacoglu was the Socceroos head coach and won. Right, that's all for today's Daily Transfer Briefing. I've been Abby Patterson, Ben Green, your executive producer. We're back on Monday with all the fallout from that match at the Emirates and everything else. Until then, have a great weekend. The Athletic.